So hello everyone, this is Steven Jackson aka SteeJ215 and this is where the Cruiserweights play, a celebration of the WCW Cruiserweight division. So uh, this is the first ever solo podcast I've ever done on a subject which I have wanted to cover for a long, 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 long time, the WCW Cruiserweights. I want to thank bbgwrestling.com extensively for allowing me to have the opportunity to produce the show. It's something I've been wanting to cover for a long time. The WCW Cruiserweights were the wrestlers who got me interested in wrestling over 20 years ago. I always feel very indebted to the wrestlers for allowing me to then pursue wrestling as a fan. And yeah, I just want to be able to share with everybody as much as I can my love for the division. I want to be able to um, share with people some knowledge and facts about the division, what I may have found out through my, uh, well, interesting fandom, you may say. And just to be able to just enjoy a lot of matches which, with other people which may have been forgotten about or matches which may have been overlooked or people may not have even seen because I know that WCW sadly isn't seen by a lot of people as the best product now sadly. Um, I feel WWE have done a lot of um, butchering of history and WCW often gets a negative rap from a lot of the WWE uh, historians. Um, who work within the company, not um, impartial ones outside of the company. But I feel that um, a lot of fans may have missed out on a lot of WCW. And I just want to be able to come and share some of my uh, fandom with everybody. And this is a show which, again, I don't know how long uh, this will go on for. I don't know how many episodes there'll be. I don't know what it'll turn out like, as this is the first time I've ever done anything like this on my own. But I do want to thank, once again, just before we get started, bbgwrestling.com for um, giving me a chance to be able to talk about this um, big interest of mine. And I hope that everyone who's listening uh, likes this uh, concept and is able to enjoy it because that's what it's for. This is the wrestling I enjoy and love. And I hope this comes through with the episodes. So just as a little background for people who might not know about the Cruiserweight division, um, there is a Cruiserweight division now in WWE, but back in WCW, it was formed back in 1996. Um, originally, WCW had a light heavyweight division in the early 90s of around 91-92. Uh, Brian Pillman and uh, Jushin Thunder Liger had a very famous light heavyweight title feud and match at Super Brawl in 1992. Um, but from there, things kind of died off a little bit. And with the advent of Monday Nitro, um, Eric Bischoff um, started the Cruiserweight division. So he brought in a lot of wrestlers from not just the United States, but from Canada, from uh, Mexico, from Japan and from Europe to take part in this interesting division, which was based all around high flying ability, technical ability, uh, daredevil manoeuvres fast-paced wrestling and creative wrestling as well um of varying different styles and uh and abilities and characters and just uh just i don't know an explosion of wrestling more than anything else very much a sign of things to come uh the cruiserweights really influenced a lot of what we see today 
Um, and back in 1996, a lot of what was going on in WCW and throughout the 90s was very influential. Um, and, you know, it, it was a very exciting time, you know, uh, seeing guys who for a long time would not have had much of a chance to be able to come out and be able to do things which we would only have ever seen either in video games or have dreamed of to be able to see it every Monday night or on pay-per-view or on a Thursday night thunder or you know, Friday night thunder or Saturday night, uh, Saturday night, WCW Saturday night, sorry, and main event. It was exciting and it, it just really was a special time and the Cruiserweight themselves, the Cruiserweight division, um, the wrestlers had to be either 225 pounds or below to be part of the division um so there isn't no uh no weight limits or anything like that like another company where they have the x division um it was all about being the smaller guys and that was a good showcase for them to be able to show off what they were able to do uh the cruiserweights themselves they um, had the Cruiserweight Championship, which they fought over. Uh, 44 reign, individual reigns throughout WCW's history um, for the Cruiserweight Championship from guys like uh, Rey Mysterio Jr., uh, Psychosis, uh, the Iceman Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, AEW star now, uh, the late great Eddie Guerrero, um, Alex Wright, um, Billy Kidman, uh so many chris candido even uh, a lot of different guys held the wcw cruiserweight championship Juventu guerrero another man who i have a great deal of respect for and love for his work um so many different guys and it was just a great time to be a fan for me and um just exciting to be able to now come and talk about it and um i also want to say on the podcast to start with that i want to if he is listening or if he would like to listen to the show, uh, Mike Tanay, former head announcer of TNA Wrestling and also known as The Professor, came into WCW and he his knowledge of the cruiserweights and his knowledge of wrestling really latched on to my interest in wrestling as a whole. I owe Mike Tanay a great deal of uh, thanks for allowing me to seek out a lot of matches in the early days of my fandom with the cruiserweights with the lucha libre wrestlers with the pura rezu wrestlers who came from japan he really helped light those matches up and make them even more exciting than what um they could have been and were already um it was just every week there was something exciting always new guys coming in and um one of the good things as well about the show, I have discussed it with the other guys at BBG uh, Wrestling. There will be this, this show will predominantly cover WCW because I want to be able to celebrate WCW, but the cruiserweights and the division itself had such an impact across the whole spectrum of wrestling in the nineties and early two thousands that this show will at times have tangents of uh, specials. So we'll have. Um, an episode maybe where we cover periods in ECW. Uh, we may cover parts of the light heavyweight division in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, we may cover times when wrestlers were in Mexico or in Japan. And we'll look at the division as a whole, but it will predominantly cover 
1996 start of the cruiserweight division to the uh, end of the cruiserweights in 2001. And speaking of the end of the cruiserweights as well, one interesting thing is that a lot of people may know or may not know is that the uh, WCW cruiserweights also had a um, tag team championship briefly in the division uh, aptly called the WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship. <laughs> and there are some interesting little matches there as well, which we'll definitely be getting into. So that's another special we can look forward to. It's... Definitely, as well, I want to point out this show is not going to be a um a chronological retrospective in any case, in any um shape of the imagination, and it's not going to be a um timeline. Uh, I want to just be able to showcase matches throughout the whole history of the division from any time period. I don't want to focus on um going through the division year by year because I feel that that kind of would be it's been done by a lot of people in a lot of different podcasts and I just want to be able to come in pick a selection of matches and just be able to talk about them from varying different years and varying different talents and it adds to the fun it's a bit of a potluck you know some of them maybe I haven't seen all the matches as well there's a lot of matches I have seen there is a lot of matches I haven't seen because the, the division had so many but um they, this is just going to be a potluck of picking matches out to talk of from any year between 1996 and 2001 um, and just seeing what they are. And a lot of the matches um, are going in blind as well. You know, some of these matches um, I've never even, like I just mentioned, and never even seen. Um, so it's exciting for me as well, going back and seeing things which I never even thought would have even aired, you know. Um so it's definitely going to be a learning curve and experience for me. I'm hoping that it's a learning experience for all of you who are listening. Um, and I hope that this show as well highlights um, a different side to WCW, which may have been lost on a lot of fans. Um, I recently took part, my, my other role is a writer for the wrestling estate, as I've mentioned several times on um, bbgwrestling.com. And I was asked in a recent uh, roundtable we took part in, my favorite promotions and right off the bat the number one was wcw and a lot of that was down to the cruiserweights and um i just want to be able to showcase another side to a company which um may have been sadly given a bad rap by a lot of uh by history basically um and i'm hoping that you know, if you are watching, the, if there are any new fans listening, you know, if guys like uh, Rey Mysterio or um, if you're seeing guys like Jushin Thunder Liger in New Japan, um, I hope that when you do, or Chris Jericho in AEW even, you're able to see a lot of their earlier work, which um, really showcases just how talented they actually are and how in innovative they are. Um, as not only wrestlers but as performers as well to be still able to go how they go now it's incredible um, so to just one last thing as well and um, what I do want to mention is that um, I'm going to be taking some interesting little running stats as I go along so there'll be interesting little um, segments so I'm going to be looking at how many um, close um, how many close two counts there were how many um, dives to the floor there were or how many misses or how many, um, you know, 
planches because I love all those kind of stats. I think they're really fun to be able to look at. And it's just a different take on a match than just looking and reviewing the actual matches themselves and the moves. And we'll also have two little segments each uh, episode of Who Wore It Best, where, um, as you'll know, the Cruiserweights and the Luchadors have incredible um, attire um masks and body suits and face paints and tights and just attire in general and so i want to be able to pick my favorite um attire of the the week or the episode um which will be fun and then on top of that we're going to be having the craziest wrestling move of the matches i cover so as you can imagine the cruiserweights did a heck of a lot of interesting maneuvers some may never have been seen again once they'd taken place other ones may have taken place several times but they still just you know blow away anything you'll see anywhere so the craziest wrestling move of the episode as well will always be a feature in the um in the episodes as well somewhere and it's yeah gonna be fun i mean like i said i've never done this before so i hope that my um enthusiasm comes through it's strange recording to myself but i hope that listening to this you'll be able to enjoy um listening and my enthusiasm comes through as well because it is strange recording to myself in my bedroom right now um, but I do hope that my enthusiasm comes through or if it has come through quite a lot I do apologise um, but I do want to be able to um, hope that you all enjoy it and that you do stick with me um, so yeah so without further ado I feel that it's only fair that I start the first episode and the first match of where the cruiserweights play celebrating the wcw cruiserweights with a great match which i've picked the first three matches i've picked for this first episode um are all three of my favorite uh, matches so um this is kind of a bit of a um uh, a leeway from the the format i've come up with just because i want to be able to showcase um three of my favorites and then sort of set the set the ball rolling um, and by all means as well, um, you can find at the end, I'll mention where I am on social media, as I just did earlier on. But by all means, if there are any matches you want me to cover um, or any segments, then just get in contact on social media and our requests. And I'll definitely cover those matches for you. Um, I'm trying to aim to get three epi three matches per episode, um, maybe with a segment or two in between as well, because I don't want to be this show to go on too long. Um but we may make exceptions. So by all means, you can hit me up with some requests as well. So from there, the first match which I've chosen for the first episode of Where the Cruiserweights Play is between former AEW world champion Chris Jericho, Lionheart Chris Jericho, against his arch nemesis at the time, the Ultimate Dragon, aka Ultimo Dragon. So... um. The attire for these two gentlemen, Ultimo Dragon was wearing an awesome uh, turquoise and red and gold. Um, he, he had on shoulder pads as he comes out and his mask is very um, much that of a, of a salamander or of a dragon. Um, and it uh, had the great blue and red um, contrast on it, which looked awesome. And his tights also had the contrast and his tights also had little scales on them, which were gold contrasting the blue, which I thought was really cool. And then Chris Jericho came out, um, current at that point, WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Um, and he had on uh, blue and yellow uh, tights with sort of a um, 
wavy pattern on them and then he had sort of a black sparkling uh, jacket which he came out to for his entrance attire which he wore during his time in Mexico and um, war in Japan where these two gentlemen met and it appeared on a um, WWE 3 uh, disc set celebrating Chris Jericho's career um, a great match between the two of them but yeah so this match was really well paced it was a wonderful um, technical encounter between two of the best technical wrestlers at that point um, in the world um, we had a great standoff at the beginning of the match where both wrestlers um, had some great mat work and it ended with a great um, shot of them both going for a drop kick, which was brilliant. And then they had the standoff, which was then followed up um, by some great, um, you know, uh, standard wrestling manoeuvres. So we had a great double power bomb from Chris Jericho. We had um, an awesome... Uh, an awesome backbreaker submission from Jericho as well onto the Ultimate Dragon. Um, and we also had an, a brilliant and devastating Saito suplex from the Ultimate Dragon as well to Chris Jericho right on the back of his head. Um, in terms of the uh, near falls, we had um, about, seven, from what I took, because once again these matches go incredibly fast, so trying to take notes is incredibly difficult. There were seven near falls, which is two counts which is pretty awesome going for the pace they were going at and there was also um about eight high flying maneuvers which was brilliant including a wonderful um acai moonsault from um the ultimate dragon which was his first uh hand which was his first uh aerial maneuver which was beautiful um such a great looking move um a movie innovated as well which is really cool so he actually innovated the manoeuvre. Um, it was definitely a match which would not look out of place today in any shape of the imagination. There was a lot of things which were taken from this match which you can see in modern matches today. Um, the mat work. There was also a moment where Ultimate Dragon uh, delivered a series of strikes and kicks to Chris Jericho uh, in the turnbuckle and in the middle of the ring. So it was a it was a battle um, of or it was a succession of a combo very much like Bruce Lee, which I always thought was awesome, and um, which looked great. And the uh, finish was awesome. It was actually um, a it was going to be a. Um, a hurricane rana but it got um countered into a roll-up from the ultimate dragon which then got countered by jericho and he caught him in two count um uh, sorry in the three count i should say and then that led to the victory so it was a really out of the blue win uh for for jericho but it were and for you know the match itself but it really worked really well and we also got a handshake of respect from both men as well, which was a really cool little touch, you know, which added into the respect of the two men and the uh, impact they had in the division. Uh, love this thing. I think this is a match which everyone should seek out. It took place at Bash at the Beach 1997. Um, so it's available on the WWE Network, as all these Cruiserweight matches will be, or on uh, WWE Home Video. Um, it appears on the Wrestling Highest uh, Flyers set. And it was really, really fun. Um, just a really... You can see a lot of things in this match which would play into independent wrestling matches later on down the line. Two great innovators, and we both know what Jericho has gone on to do since being in the Cruiserweight division. So this is definitely one I would seek out. 
for you to, to check out, absolutely. So, the second match I have chosen for um, where the Cruiserweights play is one of my favourite six-man tags of all time between um, Rey Mysterio Jr., Juventud Guerrera, and the late, great Hector Garza against Psychosis, La Parca, um, and who's now L.A. Park in uh, MLW and on the independent scene, and Silver King. So, um, those of you who know, uh, L.A. Park, or at the time La Parca, um, has his Skeletor and Skeleton-esque attire, and this time it came out and it was predominantly white with black trim and some uh, red um, some red skull, uh, some red eyes on his skulls, on his shoulder pads, which looked brilliant. Um, Silver King came down in a cowboy hat and a silver cape, uh, reminiscent of the uh, bandidos of Mexico. And Sikosis came out in a black and white uh, body armour suit, as he traditionally did in uh, the early days. Uh, but it was black with a white trim, which looked great as well with his black mask. And then Rey Mysterio for the uh, for the Technicos, as they were the Rudos, the previous team. Mysterio and his uh, Technicos. Mysterio came out with a red, yellow and blue um, attire. Um, his mask was predominantly um, blue and then it had sort of a red trim on it, which looked great. Juventud Guerrera came out with a black and red and gold um, mask and his bodysuit was predominantly red and black, which looked great, um, his singlet and uh, tights. And then Hector Gaza came out with black and white trunks, uh, which were like uh, shorts, black short trunks, very much like Rouge in uh, Ring of Honor. Um, and he really looked great as well. And as they came into the ring, uh, the Technicos, uh, La Parca was in the middle of the ring dancing on his chair, as he often did being the chairman in WCW, which never fails to entertain me and always makes me laugh. Um, yeah, and from there, this thing was just an absolute, from start to finish, um, thing of beauty. This was a five-minute Lucha Libre six-man uh just high flying spot fest of beauty. I absolutely love this match. This took place in December of 1997 on Monday Nitro, and the speed these guys go at, even back, even now, just makes me marvel. The stuff they did, the the springboard drop kick from Juventud Guerrero, the um, springboard. Um, Suicide, uh, sorry, the suicide die from La Parca and the um, corkscrew plancha from Hector Garza, which just to the outside, just phenomenal stuff, absolutely phenomenal. It can't not get you up on something like this. Beautiful Mexican head scissors as well. The, the actual, and, and a beautiful Mexican arm drag from Hector Garza onto Silver King. Just traditional Lucha Libre, six-man uh, trios awesomeness. Um this is the kind of thing you would never see in World Wrestling Federation at the time, the WWF, and you may not have seen it in W. Uh, sorry, in ECW. It was only really in ECW. You would, sorry, you wouldn't have seen this in ECW, but you would see it in WCW, and all of these guys just a complete celebration of the lucha libre style. The there was about seven once again seven near 
uh, high flying manoeuvres. There was only one pinfall in the whole thing, and that was the three count, which Mysterio got from an amazing West Coast pop, which was preceded by a crazy reverse Rana from the top rope to a Silver King from uh, from Rey Mysterio. It was just absolutely action filled. The to say this was five minutes, the amount of action they filled into this was was astounding, and it still is. And I think it's a testament to all six men and the chemistry they have that they were able to put on something like this. And um, the fact that if you watch these early matches as well, the just just the way they work, it's just so flawless and so seamless. It just looks like so effortless. And this is the kind of work which today in promotions like PWG and um in AEW with the Lucha Brothers and, you know, in impact with um, you know, what at the time when LEX were there who are now proud and powerful in AEW. This is the kind of thing which, you know, they would watch and study, I'm sure they would, to see how to just get the most out of each other as opponents. Just an absolute thing of beauty. It it's again on the WWE network for you all to enjoy. And it's also on the best of WCW Nitro Volume Two um, home video set. Um, it it's astounding, absolutely astounding. Everyone plays a part, and it's a match which, even to this day, I can watch this thing, and it just gets me so um, makes me realise why I love wrestling so much. A match like this, it's it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So from there, talking of the phenomenal, we will go into what is our my last match for this episode, but also I would say one of my top five favourite matches of all time and my favourite match from uh, World Championship Wrestling WCW. It took place at Bash at the Beach 1996 and it's between um, Rey Mysterio Jr., and his arch nemesis and former training uh, sparring partner, Psychosis. So, uh, just to put into perspective as well, these two had wrestled several times in Mexico and in Japan, several times is an understatement, several hundred times probably in Mexico and Japan, but this was the first time they'd wrestled in WCW. They had had an amazing trilogy in ECW as well, which is going to possibly be covered on the show. That's another story for another time. Um, but this match um, was the first time they'd faced one another in, EC, uh, in WCW. And uh, Psychosis came out in the white and black um, body suit with a brilliant red and yellow uh, trim to it. And um, had his awesome mask as well with his hair sticking out, which just looked incredible. He, as a as a five-year-old kid, Psychosis just looked like the, the man. I mean, both guys did, but Sikosis just really grabbed me, and um, he just he, even now when you look at him, he's so striking in his in his appearance. It's just incredible. And then uh, Rey Mysterio came out in the blue, white, and red um, mask, along with the blue, white, and red trunks, predominantly blue trunks. And then he had on the uh, blue mask with the red trim and the white trim. So really cool looking. Uh, looking attires for both men great contrast as well in what they were wearing you know the black and white of sort of the heel uh rudos and then the color of the technicos the uh the baby face from mysterio um again wow to just to reiterate again for a five-year-old watching this match oh i can't even remember what age i was probably five this is the kind of stuff you would just see in a 
in a video game. And back in 1996, when this match took place, this was revolutionary stuff. This is uh, one of the most well-paced Lucha Libre matches, cruiserweight matches ever put on in any wrestling organisation. Both men just the respect they have for one another and the chemistry they have for each other is unmatched. The amount of near falls, there was about seven, again, this seems to be a pattern, seven or eight near falls in this match, all just from different manoeuvres. Crazy power bombs. Um, There was a beautiful moonsault from Rey Mysterio. There was an incredible head scissors by Rey Mysterio from the top rope to the apron to the floor something out of Kota Ibushi would do today which was done in 1996 um, there was an incredible guillotine leg drop from Psychosis what got a two count from the top rope there was a awesome awesome senton from the top rope to the floor to Rey Mysterio from Psychosis which even today I think is one of the coolest manoeuvres ever filmed and the way that WCW shot that just caught all the impact of that manoeuvre um, it's a manoeuvre which I feel gets very overlooked in a lot of wrestling matches but it just looks devastating in this one it was phenomenal um, just absolutely crazy stuff in this match the where these two guys worked for about 15 minutes and just the stuff what they did was revolutionary. You would never see this many head scissors in one match. You would never see this many uh, power bombs in this kind of environment. This was unseen in the whole of wrestling at that time, especially North American wrestling. This just completely, you know, knocked it out of the park. It, it just, the Cruiser Evolution had just started but this was the match which put it on the map and it made both men um especially Rey Mysterio household names and it's a match which I urge every wrestling fan around the world if you're listening to this whether you have the WWE Network whether you look online illegally whether you have the Rey Mysterio DVD set or however just watch this one match between these two men I've watched several several is not even an understatement once again i've watched dozens of matches between these two wrestlers this is the best one of the lot and that's saying a lot and some people may disagree with that and i entitle you to disagree with it but this is the match which i feel had the best crowd reaction they just worked the the, the stars aligned it was it, it's phenomenal even now 25 years later it's a masterpiece it's an absolute masterpiece of in Lucha Libre wrestling, cruiserweight wrestling. And just to reiterate as well, the the finish of um, Rey Mysterio doing the top rope Hurricane Rana to um, Psychosis after um, Psychosis looked like he was going for a top rope, um, the Razor's Edge, um, where he then got countered, is still one of the best visuals in... Uh, High fly manoeuvres. It it just is a thing of beauty. This is this is wonderful wrestling, and this is the reason why WCW for me will always have a close place in my heart because of a match like this and the three matches I've just discussed. But this match especially because this is the match which, out of all the ones I've just discussed, is the one which made me a fan the most. 
and a match which I urge everyone, as I just mentioned, to watch and enjoy and to seek out more of their work as well. This is just the tip of the iceberg in a way for how many matches they would go on to have and how many more matches I'll discuss down the line as well. So, after all of this rambling to myself, um, I hope you've enjoyed those three matches I've just uh, recommended and discussed. So, as I just mentioned at the uh, start of the show, uh, the who wore it best in these three matches of Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, Chris Jericho and Ultimo Dragon, and the Lucha Libre six-way, I think I still have to, would have to go with Psychosis's white um, attire he wore at Bash at the Beach 1996. Um, just that visual of seeing him with the white and the black and the red, just like something out of a comic book or something out of... Um, at the time, I was a massive Power Rangers fan, so something like Power Rangers or anime mag- manga or something was just crazy and just so cool. Like, even now, it just looks so cool. I um, mean, his mask and everything. So definitely, Psychosis was the best-dressed cruiserweight of this week. Um, so congratulations, Psychosis. And then the craziest wrestling move of the, uh, of the three matches, it's got to be... Um, Hector Garza's um, corkscrew plancher from the top rope to the to the floor in the six man tag. Um, it's the kind of thing which now we take a lot for granted, but back in the nineteen nineties, that kind of thing was rarely seen, if ever seen, on wrestling TV. And the fact that Hector Garza delivered it so beautifully and just so effortless, effortlessly in that tag match just before the finish of Rey Mysterio just set up the finish amazingly and the actual taught what he gave his body to be able to properly corkscrew as well and be able to do it right in the front row where it got caught by everybody on camera and everyone in the front row I thought was just amazing and that's definitely the craziest move if you want, I mean, it's a tough one because there was a lot of crazy moves in these matches, but that's the one where I think everyone will sort of gasp and go, yeah, that was something special. <laughs> so um, that's definitely the crazy move of the week as well. And um, yeah, that um, takes me to the end of this first episode of uh, Where the Cruiserweights Play. I hope you have enjoyed this first of hopefully many um, Where the Cruiserweight Play episodes. Um I am a member, just to finish off, uh, I want to first of all thank uh, the partners here at Broken But Glorious uh, who this uh, who are posting this podcast of mine. Um, their website is bbgwrestling.com, so check them out there. And their Twitter handle is at bbgwrestling. Uh, tons of great interviews, tons of great um, content and tons of great podcasts from a variety of wrestling fans with all different expertise and knowledge and ideas and they're always great fun to listen to and to watch um which i hope this has been this evening or as you're listening today or you know tonight or this afternoon however you are listening to it (coughs) wherever you are in the world as well and excuse me and uh, myself, I am, as I just mentioned, I'm a wrestling, um, I class myself as a wrestling journalist, wrestling writer um, at the Wrestling Estate. So you can find my work uh, at the Wrestling Estate. So if you search for us on Google, you'll find us there, the top search result. Or if you look for us on Twitter, um, it's at the Wrestling EST. 
My most recent article was a brilliant interview with an uh, independent wrestler named Alex Salias, Salias who uh, wrestles in Arizona, uh, predominantly championship wrestling from Arizona, who are affiliated with championship wrestling from Hollywood um, as part of the United Wrestling Network. So I want to thank Alex on air for um, his great uh, answers and his help with that interview. Um, but there are tons of other great articles, not from just myself, but from all of the team. Uh, and we always take part in roundtables where we discuss some of our favourite matches, moments, wrestlers, and they all get pulled together at the end uh, at the end of the week and then put into an article. So they're always great fun to read as well. And um, finally, um, to find me on Twitter um, and on social media, and if you have any requests or any feedback or any uh, comments, you can find me at stj215, so definitely find me there. Um, I'm going to be tweeting a lot more about the WCW Cruiserweights, so you might see some more little factoids here and there, some of my um, matches which I enjoyed, or photographs that I find, um, just little little fan little bits here and there, just because I want to be able to share the love more for the Cruiserweight division. So find me there at stj215. So thank you once again, everybody, for listening. I hope I haven't bored you too much with my um, recording of this first of hopefully many episodes of Where the Cruiserweights Play. And um, I'll catch you all soon. So thank you very much and see you later.